We are uh, in a series of messages that I think is vital, and as I've told you, I hope you think it's as vital as I do. And um, the way we speak to one another is just critical um, in our relationships. All this Christian life comes down to is two things. The Christian life comes down to a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. That's all it comes down to according to God's Word because the great commandment is to love God and love other people. So all the Christian life comes down to is a relationship with God and a relationship with other people or loving God and loving other people. And it's very difficult to express your love for God outside the context of other people. How do you show that you love God outside of the context of other people because it's just not, it's just never me and jesus got a good thing going you know whoever wrote tom t hall did he write that can't remember me and jesus got a good thing going me and jesus got it all worked out well that that is not it because i just don't understand how me and jesus is not inevitably overflowing to other people and the overflowing to other people is exhibited more ways than any other through the way we speak to them. You know, I can give my family a lot of time, good quality time as they tell us to give them, but if my words are sharp and bitter, it negates all of that time. I can tell my wife that I love her. I can tell her I love her every morning and every night. I can provide for my wife and provide a, a good living for my wife and provide a nice home for my wife. But if my words to her are biting and sharp and not as tender and gracious, it negates all that other stuff. That's the power. That's the power. I, I can be a boss and I can pay my employees well. I can pay them better than my competitors pay them. My benefits that I provide for them are better. But if I'm constantly degrading and berating them with my tongue, uh, they'll look for work elsewhere, even though it may be a less paying job. The Bible says the power of life and the power of death is in the tongue. And I think that we truly as a society, underestimate this. Because in our educational system, we don't teach people how to communicate. We let people go through 12 years of schooling and give them a diploma without teaching them how to communicate. We teach them how to pronounce words. We teach them how to spell words. We teach them how to write a paragraph. But we, where the rubber meets the road in face-to-face -face communication, it's up for grabs, man. I mean, get it wherever you can get it. And that probably was home. You probably get that from mom and dad, and that may have been a good example, or that may have been a lousy example. We defined communication these last two weeks as something very simple. We've said communication is MS equal MR, and that means nothing more than message sent equal message received. And I'll say that every single week. And my wife threw it back at me. You've got to watch what you preach in our house because it gets thrown right back at you sometimes, you know? <laughs> and she said, hey, the, your MS didn't equal the MR, and she was exactly right. 
Message sent equal message received. The message that I send, when it equals the message that is received, that's communication. Anything else is miscommunication. And as I've said, message sent is not communication. Message sent is not communication. Just because you said it doesn't mean it was communicated. Communication is when I send a message and is received in the way I intended it to be received. And I've made great hay in these last two weeks that the weight of that equality, okay, I'm an old math teacher, so let me use mathematical terms. The weight of that equality, that's an equality, the weight of that equality is on the sender. Because as the sender, I must do everything I know to make that message easily received. I, can just, I just can't depend on maybe they'll get it or maybe they won't. I've got to do, if I really want that message to be received, I'll do everything. That's why we, when we talk to little children, uh, what do we do when we talk to little kids? We, we, uh, we make that message easier to be received, don't we? Because no one, I wouldn't like to be talked to a, a, a guy who's 11 foot tall talking down to me. I mean, I'd feel all intimidated. And, but, so we try to make that message as easy to be as we possibly can by not only getting down on an eye-to-eye level, but talking in words. We know to do that to five, six, seven-year-olds, but it's somehow when we get to be adults, we think the adult ought to be able to know what I know. And, but sometimes communication has to be changed depending on who I'm talking to, so that it is the first week fitting. Fitting? What, what, what may fit in my communication with Sue may not fit in my communication with my mother. What may fit with my mother may not communicate in communication with my, my son. And that's why communication is so hard, because we have to work at it. I told you for, th- for three years I, I, I went on the road and literally traveled from Rhode Island to, to California speaking to businesses concerning some of this. And I want to share with you just a few slides that I shared in a secular. This is secular wisdom, okay? But it's, it's true uh, nonetheless on all of this. Karen, what's that first slide that, that I have uh, up here? The biggest single problem in communication is the illusion that it's actually taking place. It really is. The single biggest problem in communication is the fact that we thought it happened. I told him, I told her, but probably the MS didn't equal the MR. What else do we have? Bill Cosby says men and women belong to different species, and communication between them is still in its infancy. That, that is proved out every week in our home. That because I'm a male, I communicate in a certain way, and because Sue's a female, she receives it in a certain way, she communicates back in a certain way, and it gets all messed up. And I didn't mean it that way, and she didn't mean it that way, but I'm a male, and I can't help but hear that through my maleness, and she can't help but hear that through her femaleness, and it just becomes MS does not equal MR. What else do we have? Plato says, wise men talk because they have something to say, fools because they have to say something. Did you ever meet anybody like that? I'm telling you, every week you'll meet somebody that has to say something. 
has to prove to you how much they know about something. Or they're so insecure in their own identity, they have to prove to you something. And they start vomiting off at the mouth and prove to you just the opposite of what they wanted to prove to you. Talk because you have something to say, not because you have to say something. See, that's a heart issue. That's a heart issue. What else do we have? When all other means of communication fail, try words. And that's what we're talking about today because I always feel silly when I talk or preach on communication because we spend so much time on the words But the research tells us that over 90% of what I'm communicating to you right now has nothing to do with the words that are coming out of my mouth. So why is it we spend so much time talking about words? And last week, out of Paul's writing in Ephesians, we talked about authentic words and words that deal with conflict that the apostle talked to us about. And, and, And the week before there, we talked about fitting words. And all that is well and good and true, But 90%, some people say, of what we talk about has nothing to do, of what we communicate has nothing to do. Do I have a graph up here? Now, you can find all kinds of different percentages, but all of them will be pretty close to the same. 7% of what I communicate has to do with the words that you hear. 38% has to do with my voice, my tone of voice, or just how pleasing my voice is to listen to. I don't care. Let's, Let's be honest. If I have an irritating, squeaky little voice, I may have great things to say, but it's hard for you to receive it. Let's just be honest. Maybe we shouldn't be that way as human beings, but let's just be honest. There's an evangelist in the church of the Nazarene. He is a great guy. He's going to be farther up, to, closer to Jesus than I'm ever closer to Jesus, I know. But he's got the squeakiest little voice. And I remember he came for a revival many, many years ago at Sterling First Church of the Nazarene, and it was hard for this old boy to really get through what he had to say. Now, I think that's a me fault. That's my fault, but it's just kind of reality. 55%, according to this researcher, says what we have to talk about is nonverbal stuff. It's body language. So would you give me at least one message to talk about the 90% of what communication is? And that's either our nonverbals or it's either our tone of voice. Now, what's the Bible say about this? Well, you want me to be just real honest with you? Not much. Just like there's a whole lot the Bible doesn't say much about. The Bible doesn't say why the sun doesn't fall out of the sky. Okay? But there are a few places that the Bible does talk about this huge 55% and add that to tone of voice, 90% or more what's some verses that i have up here and i've listed them in different translations proverbs 15 30 says light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones that is the next translation i have that in i think it's new century good news makes you feel better your happiness will show in your eyes don't your eyes speak volumes Don't your eyes speak volumes? You can, somebody can walk in and you can say, what's the matter? Didn't say a word. Didn't, 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 didn't say to you they lost their job today. The expressions on our face speak volumes. 
I can't help but think the dear brother that's going to be in heaven. I know he's going to be in heaven, but he's, he's a greeter at the Sterling. Well, at least he was when we were there. He's a greeter at the first church of the Nazarene in Sterling. He hands out bulletins. And his eyes did not look happy. And he had no reason being a greeter because people come in and expect Christians to not look like his face and eyes looked. I'm not getting on him. I'm just telling you, body language is crucial. It speaks volumes. Nonverbal communication speaks volumes. And he comes in, and he's got this deadpan look on his face right here. Welcome to the Sterling Church of the Nazarene. He's a, he's a great guy. He just don't need to be at the front door. Give him a behind-the-scenes job somewhere. Because people read body language. What else do we have up here? Thirty thirteen of Proverbs. They're talking about different people here. and that, so they pre- Those whose eyes are ever haughty. What's haughty mean? Proud. Whose glances are disdainful. There's the Bible talking about body language. Giving a disdainful glance at someone, and every one of you know what it is. And farther than that, every one of you probably have done it. Eyes that are proud. Glances that give disdainful looks. The Bible speaks about nonverbal communication. What else do we have? That's another translation of the same verse. They are proud beyond description and disdainful. What else do we have? This is, this is in Proverbs 6. So it's talking about beware of the adulterous woman, okay? And by the way, one out of every ten verses in Proverbs has to do with adultery and beware of the adulterous woman, okay? Do not uh, uh, go back... What was, do not lust for her beauty. Do not let her coyness seduce you. What was the verse that we had just before? Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. In the whole area of sexual attractiveness, the eyes have a whole lot to play about it, don't they? And you know the look, and I know the look, and that look speaks volumes. And the Bible just admits that. Let's just admit that. I can't remember what else we have up here, Karen. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detested. And I'm not going to list all of those, but I'm going to list number one and two. Six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to him. What's the next, Karen? Haughty eyes and a lying tongue. First two things that come in the next verse. So I won't go through the whole list. Proud eyes. Proud eyes. Eyes that look down on other people. Eyes that, eyes that uh, hold myself in higher esteem than I should hold myself. Bible's talking about nonverbal communication here. Bible's talking about body language. Do I have anything else, Karen, that, that comes under this? 1615. When a king's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in the spring. So a subject before the king comes before the king, and when his face brightens, 
Man, it's like a rain cloud in the spring. Do I have another translation for that, maybe? When the king smiles, there is life. His favor, as he's looking down on his subject and his, the subject's life is in the king's hands, the king's smile brings life because people can read body language. I've got some photos. Did you put those in there, Karen? There, there, there are a few photos that speak... Uh, that's, that's right, you don't have to... She doesn't have to say anything. Okay? We get it. We get it. What's another one? All right. I'm not going to make any comment on that one right there. But just so you don't think I'm real political, I'll show you this one. All right? Now, if you don't know what that means, you're not keeping up with the news enough. Because those two guys, at least the news tells us, and we don't know because we don't know anything that goes on behind the scenes, but the news tells us these two guys aren't seeing eye to eye on stuff right now. And they're not even really getting along. Now, that picture tells us that too, doesn't it? We can read body language wrong, and we could be misreading that, but those two guys know those, they really don't look too fired up to be shaking hands with one another but the world needs to see us shaking hands, so let's do it. I'm trying to be able to tell you that this whole issue of nonverbal communication, and I'm going to include tone of voice in that, is just absolutely critical. Let me give you a a few examples. Let's say I'm your boss, and one morning at 9 o'clock I ask my secretary to call you to my office and you arrive in my office and my secretary comes in and says so-and-so is here and I said okay send them in and you you come into my office and uh, I say um, take a seat she already laughed right there right here now I have said three words take a seat that are really you know Mean, they don't mean a whole lot. Take, take a seat. You know, I don't want you standing up. But the way that I said them with my tone of voice says, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Take a seat. Take a seat. Now, I can change that. I can change that. And I don't even have to put a smile on my face. But I can change my tone of voice and change the way you receive that 180 degrees by saying, take a seat. I didn't smile. The only thing I did was lift the last syllable. Instead of saying, take a seat, I said, take a seat. And it totally changes the way you receive that. That's tone of voice. Ring, 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 ring. Hello. How many times have you called somebody and on the other end was, hello? You thought you either woke them up or you were bothering them or something. And the only thing you have to say to change your tone of voice is to go, hello. Changes it 180. Lift the last syllable of the word. Hello. Hello. Tone of voice is just critical. 
One of the places where tone of voice is, is most critical is on the phone because you can't read my body language. Everything you get from me is you're reading. You're listening to my tone of voice because you can't see anything. You can't see anything. So when we talk on the phone, it's critical that our tone of voice be acceptable. Um, I don't know if anybody here has ever been a telemarketer. Okay. But in telemarketer training, they teach you this. They can hear your smile on the phone. Yeah, it is true. They can hear your smile on the phone because your smile comes through in tone of voice. Now, some of it, this is harder than others because some of us are just grouchy people. I mean, we're just, we're just kind of naturally more grouchy. But if I have a situation where my tone of voice is really, really important, I mean, I have to be aware of this huge part of communication that has nothing to do with the words that I speak. Nothing to do with the words that I speak. I can tell when Sue answers the phone if the person on the other end is someone she wants to talk to or not. If it is a telemarketer, I can tell by just the lack of of life in her voice. If it's her mother, I can tell. I can, I, I, I can be not even looking at her and I can be able to see, tell you if this is a conversation she wants to have. Because our tone of voice changes when we hear from someone that we want to hear from or that we want to impress versus someone that's trying to give us our 17th MasterCard, okay? Or something like that that we don't want to hear from. You can change the words you use all you want, but if you don't change the tone of voice, it's absolutely critical. Animals understand tone of voice, don't they? Animals don't understand very many words. They understand a few. Down. Go potty. Get off the bed. But they understand tone of voice. So I could speak the opposite words, but if I speak it with the right tone of voice, that little dog will just come up to me and wagging his tail. I can say, oh, you're so sweet. It's time to take you to the vet and kill you. I know you've lived a good life. I know, I know you're just wagging your tail. Doesn't understand the words. Gets the tone of voice. Or I could say to the dog, you're the best dog I've ever had. I love you so much. And he'll cower down and take a tail between his legs because they understand tone of voice. Now, if our animals understand tone of voice, how much more our wives and our husbands and our children? Besides all the nonverbals, oh, The roll of the eyes. The sigh. I could sit in a meeting and not say anything at the whole meeting and have my hands crossed like this and not say a word. Not say a word, but I'm speaking volumes. Because of nonverbal communication, listen, because of nonverbal communication, you cannot not communicate. It's critical for you to get that. 
Well, I, I didn't say a word at the whole meeting. I mean, I, 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 no, no, yes, you did. I was at the small group meeting, and I didn't, I didn't say anything. Yes, you did. You just sat there like this the whole meeting. And we were reading your body language. We may have been reading it wrong. Absolutely. That may have not been in your heart, but you have to know what you're saying by the way your body is talking. And you need someone to help you with that because you can't see the way your body is talking. And you need someone that loves you very much to say, were you mad? Well, no, I wasn't mad, but you had this... I sit at a credentials board meeting. That's the board that ordains people. And the ordinands were sitting in front of us being interviewed. And one pastor was sitting around this table. I don't know if you all can see me. One pastor was sitting around this table. Let's just imagine that the the table's right here. And the whole meeting, he sat around this table. He sat there like this. Excuse me. I don't know. Maybe he was just really concentrating. But this don't mean concentration. This means I'm bored, silly, and I want to go to lunch. You neglect this at the peril of every relationship you have. You neglect it at the peril of every single relationship you have. Christopher was three or four, and I was at the table, and he was over here playing, and I called him over to me. And I was, going to, I was telling him something. I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but it was serious. I wasn't mad at him, but what I was trying, I was trying to communicate seriously to a three or four-year-old, however you do that, okay? So he came over, and I got down to his, got down to his level, okay? And I was telling him something. I was serious. So I was blah, 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 blah. And I was really trying to make him understand it. And he stopped me, in the, or I said, do you understand, or something like that. And he goes, Daddy, you have angry eyebrows. Now, I probably did have anger. I wasn't like frowning, but I was serious. So I probably did have angry eyebrows. And he read that, and he read that, or didn't hear what I was trying to communicate because his daddy mad at me. I've been trying to tell basketball coaches forever that, you know, you, re- you want to communicate to something to a kid. Don't get all over him and spit in his face about it. I mean, because they don't hear anything but your madness and your anger. If you're really trying to teach and communicate, you've got to be able to speak it in a way that the MS equals MR. But if I'm chewing out a kid in front of 2,000 of his peers up here and I'm just embarrassing him, he's not learning anything. He's just saying this coach has got a red face. And the MS won't equal the MR. Um, This communicates impatience. My wife gets on me about this all the time. I don't mean this this way, but I have to understand it's received this way. Let me do it up here. I don't mean it this way, but Sue is absolutely right. And us guys are the worst at this. She says, Mark, that's communicating that you want out of there. <laughs> that you want, this communica- you want this conversation to be over with. 
I don't, I don't even know when it's doing it. I mean, I really, really don't. Sue sometimes will be at the table, and Sue sometimes will go, and she'll just grab it. And I won't even know that it was going on. But it does communicate, uh, I've got other places to be. Um, I don't really have time for you right now. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. People read our body language. People read our body language, whether they're reading it correctly or not. It's, it's, it's absolutely critical. And I wish I just had so much chapter and verse to throw at you here. But non-verbally, everything shall. You know what we learn in seminary about God's non-verbal? <laughs> we learn that the heavens declare the glory of God. We, understand, we learn in seminary that there's a revelation that God reveals things to us apart from his word, simply through creation and through nature. And the Bible says that because of God's nonverbal creation, man will be without excuse. Now you get that. Not because, not because of his written revelation, which some people on that day may have had the blessing to be able to read or not. But the Bible says in Romans 1, because of God's nonverbal, because of what man has, been, has, man has clearly seen and what has been revealed to man through creation, man will be without excuse. That's what it says. So God holds, at least in some of the way that he nonverbally communicates to us, the heavens declare the glory of God. God holds us accountable to read that body language or to read that, excuse me, nonverbal language. Isn't that amazing? If my verbal and my nonverbal contradict what do you believe? If my verbal and my nonverbal say two different things, they contradict. Well, I'm just so happy to be here today. I'm, I've just been excited and I've been waiting this speaking opportunity for a long time. And I just am um, so thrilled to be able to speak to you here today. What do you believe? Do you believe my verbal? Or do you believe my nonverbal? When our verbal and our nonverbal contradict, we believe the nonverbal. That's why we say, well, she has a good heart. Follow me on that. Somebody says something really silly, inappropriate. We know that person. We know their heart. And we, we excuse those words because we know their heart. And we say, well, they meant well. Because we know something about them. Lonnie's going to be at a visitation today. And I guarantee you 
there are going to be some people that come through that line and they're going to try to bring words of comfort, but they're going to say something totally inappropriate. That's why it's the best thing to do is to say nothing in situations like that. Now, what Lonnie and Ruth and the family have to know is they meant well. They did. They meant well. Even though the words were maybe inappropriate. Or nonverbal is a reflection of our true condition, is it not? Which means it's a reflection of our heart. If I don't have respect for you, um, it's hard for me not to be able to show that on my face some way. It's hard for me not to be able to show that maybe by not making eye contact with you or, and you with me. It's hard. It's hard. We can control our words. We can control our tongue. It's much more difficult to control the nonverbals because all of our kids have come home with that guilty look on their face. Have they not? They just had that guilty look and they could not, could not disguise what was in their heart. They could not disguise the true condition. And it's very hard to do that nonverbally. It's possible. It's possible. But it's much harder. That whole another section I was going to go to, and I'm going to drop it right there. And I feel kind of bad because I just wish I had a whole bunch of Scripture to throw at you here and I have some, but I don't have a bunch. But we neglect this issue at the peril of every relationship that we have. If the researchers are right, and 90% of what is communicated in the MS equal MR has nothing to do with the words how much attention and weight should we give this area of tone of voice, facial expressions, look in the eyes. I mean, you all can tell. You all can tell when I walk through the foyer out here, you can tell that if I feel like everything's ready for this service or I've got a whole bunch on my mind and I'm walking really fast to try to get something done. You can tell. You can tell by the, my demeanor. And I'm communicating volumes, even though I'm saying, hey, how's it going? So in your marital relationships, is it something like, take a seat? Or is it, take a seat? Maybe you don't smile easily. Try harder. It helps. It helps. I used to do radio voiceovers, and I would get in my little office, and I had this program that I, I would 
be able to record onto the radio what's going to be put onto the radio. And I, I close my office and I have this microphone and, and I hit play and record it right onto the hard drive of the computer. And I'm in there by myself, but I'm just smiling <laughs> because it comes across in the tone of my voice. I'm just smiling. Angry eyebrows are read by four-year-olds. Tone of voice is understood by dumb animals, right? So how much more are they understood by our teenagers, our kids, our wives, our mother-in-laws, our bosses, all the way down to the I had to at least give you one message on some of the most important thing about communication. And that's nonverbals. Take this with you. Because of nonverbal communication, you cannot not communicate. You are always, always communicating. See, I'm a lot more cognizant of this than you are because I speak for a living. And I look at all of your faces right now as you're listening to me. And all of your faces are telling me something. You're telling me whether this is a good sermon or not. I may make that judgment wrong. I may make that judgment wrong, but I still make that judgment. Your, your, your face is telling me whether it's, it's 10, 15 or not, okay? I mean, your face is telling me that. Your face is telling me whether, you know, you're late for somewhere. Your face, I may be judging that wrong. But see, I'm very aware of that because I do it every single Sunday because I speak for a living. If you don't do that, you may not be as aware because you may not have had as many opportunities as I have Sunday after Sunday. Please take it serious. Let's pray. God, you want to be Lord over every part of our life, and that's even the way that we say, take a seat. You want to be Lord over every single thing, even our angry eyebrows. And for us to truly have good relationships with other people, we have to communicate with them. And we have to make the MS equal MR. And our nonverbals and our tone of voice is just an unbelievably huge component of all of that. So, Father, in some way I want to kind of almost apologize for a secular message, but I, I, I understand the absolute importance of this. And I pray that all of us, even though we don't have a whole lot of biblical data to back it up, I pray that we all will take this and it'll help us in our relationships with other people because that's one of the two things that you really get all fired up about, our relationship with you and our relationship with other people. And I just believe that our relationship with other people can be a lot better if the MS equals MR. And I believe that our relation, the MS equals MR gets a lot better if we're aware of our body language and nonverbals and tone of voice. So by your Holy Spirit, would you tap on our shoulder when our tone of voice is not appropriate? By your Holy Spirit, would you supernaturally tell me in some way that my body is communicating something I don't want it to communicate at this time? And so, Father, um, I, I just believe your Holy Spirit has spoken to a couple of us on the way we talk to other people in this area of nonverbal or tone of voice. And so right now, I believe a few of them just want to just respond to you right where they're at, and they just want to say something to you. 
They want to ask you to help them to communicate as well as they possibly can. Hear our prayer, O Lord. 